Welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange. Today we are doing a special Fat Chart exclusive one week before the release of Dark Tide. So we'll start off with a round of intros. Sasha, if you let's start. No problem. So um, Sasha, I've been at Fat Shark for about a year now um, and I'm a producer here at Fat Shark. Yes, you can do this. I'm Madeline. I am manager of the animation team at Fat Shark and animation lead for Dark Tide. And I've been at Fat Shark for 11 years and six months, I think. 11. Wow. Half a lifetime. <laughs> I am. How old is Fat Shark? Fifteen years. Okay, so nearly-ish since the start. So yeah, my name is Victor. Uh, I'm head of design, but on like a project basis, I'm uh, the team captain of the world team. We do all the missions, uh, but I'm also head of design, so I'm a game designer. And I've been here for fourteen years, almost. Uh, yeah. We were going up until you got to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Mike. Uh, I'm our CMO. I run a lot, all of our marketing. I've been here just under two years. No, actually, it's coming up. I had to do the quick math. It's been that long. So it's been quick. It's long quickly then, yeah. Okay, brilliant. So for the first topic on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the Fat Shark journey as you've scaled up very quickly in recent years. So, Victor, if you want to kick us off there. Yeah, I'll start with a small little history recap because I think we're going to come back to it later yeah. on as well. So I think the, the company was founded by four friends and they were all programmers. So it started out as like a programmers for hire company that worked first in like finance, but then they moved over to gaming. And uh, it was then called North Bay. And then sometime about 15 years ago, they worked together with a Swedish games company called Green. And we helped them to create a game called uh, Terminator Salvation. And we did all of the rail sequences in that game. So they did like the main game, we did all the rail, rail sequences. I started the same day that game was launched. And after that, we started making our own games. So that when I started, that's what sort of, when I got hired to, because we needed to sort of, uh, start becoming a bigger company and being able to be self-sufficient. So I was hired as a QA and we were supposed to create a game called Wanted 2. And then Green went into bankruptcy. So it ended up with us making another game called Letting Gold instead, which was our first sort of solo game. Uh, at that time, I think when I started, we were about 20 people. I was number 24. Uh, and we went from there. So, and, and then first it took us, uh, we, we grew slowly at first uh, for the first couple of maybe five years or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and, but we were always making, like back then we did Let It Go, which was a, it's a, a versus game with the sort of Wild West theme. Uh, and, and then we just continued from there on. Uh, everything we've done has always been sort of had that sort of multiplayer uh, theme to it. So letting go, then we went over to War of the Roses, uh, War of the Vikings. Uh, I'm jumping over some games here, but then <laughs> we ended up in uh, what we are known for now, which is the Warhammer games, Vermintide 1 and 2, and then Dark Tide. Yeah. But it's sort of a natural progression. Yeah. From I mean, when we were a small company, we, we also had, um, we quite often had two projects going yeah. at the same time, which is it which makes was, the teams, development teams, even smaller. Because mm -hmm. we were like 30 people, but a couple of those people wouldn't be working on the same title yeah. as everyone else. 
um, which is like, yeah, it's different from now, definitely. <laughs> what, what I have a question, because this is always intriguing to me, because I don't know what that trick was like mm. that far, that long ago. Um, what was like, what are some of the things that, um, when you look back at those days that are very similar to what you see in Fat Shark DNA wise today, like some of the same characteristics, just the, the feeling of Fat Shark. Cause oftentimes people talk about, you know, the Fat Shark of, you know, the kind of the history and the, like who we are. It, do you see a lot of those same kind of elements and, and what were they? I think one of them is that we have always sort of tried to do like a little bit more than should be possible. Like, like, like you said, we, we we were doing two games at the same time. So I at that time it was like our second or third project mm. uh, it was a game called Crater, and we were also doing War of the Roses at the same time simultaneously. So we were ten people doing this game called Crater, which was supposed Crater. to be a, like a role playing game um, set in uh, post apocalyptic Sweden, which was it's, it was a crazy game. We, we were did ten, it in like a year. We did it in, was, in less than a year with ten crazy. people, less than ten people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and at the same time, we were also doing this War of the Roses game, which was a really ambitious uh, sort of multiplayer um, melee combat game, uh, pretty like advanced stuff, not, not a lot of games like that. Nobody has really, there wasn't like a clear reference game, like we just like, it's like Call of Duty. It was um, the same thing with Krat, it was also like unique and weird and had this weird spin. So we always, like try to reach a little bit higher than maybe we can, and try to do uh, uh, try to do something that feels unique to what we're making and unique to Fat Shark. And I, like it's always a bit quirky, a bit different. Yeah. It's never exactly like a carbon copy of I some think other game. I one of the things that have um, stayed the same is like the founders are still yeah. in the company mm -hmm. today. They still yeah. are, you know, working with everyone. And I think that's one of the re I think at one point we were called the cult because no one left. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everyone who just like who we hired just stayed on forever. Mm -hmm. And I think that was uh, you know you can really tell that the same people has the same sort of values and that kind of trickles down into the company culture. And then I also have like a, a question because it seemed like you said initially it grew relatively slowly. Mm -hmm. You are at a steady pace. Yeah. Uh, I've been here so the shortest year, which is about a year. And in the past year we grew, but nothing. You know, nothing crazy for the size that we were when I joined about a year ago. No. So there must have been like a time, and I guess maybe you would know when, when there's been like the major growth. During start. COVID, I think. Yeah, during COVID, the, definitely. During, during COVID and uh, doing, during Dark Tide. Yeah. Like okay. the Dark Tide has forced, it's the wrong word, but it has encouraged us or whatever to, to grow a lot because the ambition was higher than we could manage with the I mean, Vermintide 1 and 2 was maybe maybe 40 people or something yeah. like that-ish in the development yeah. team. Yeah. And Darktide just is a bigger game in every sense. <laughs> so we slowly but surely realized, like, okay, we will need more animators. We will need more game designers. We will need more level designers and everything. So we just grew pretty quickly, but yeah. surely. And yeah. not like in, it wasn't like a boom, but yeah, it, yeah. it happened pretty, like every week during COVID, there was new people almost like, so yeah. yeah. What's the growth gone to now? So if you- I think we're at 200, I think I would, I'm, this is, a, I'm guessing, but I think when we started Dark Type, we were probably around 60 to 80, somewhere around there. So 
at other companies. So we're exactly having this discussion in, in what we call the production craft, which is like, well, what is a producer? You know, mm. and, and you'd probably ask all the producers nowadays, like on the different teams, they probably do it all differently. I don't think there's one person that like does exactly the same thing. So I think I think we have it for like, you know, animation and all, but at every role we're starting to discuss like, yeah, but what does that really mean? Should we split into different things? Yeah. I think a, a thing that has stayed the same, at least for me and for a couple of disciplines that I know around me as well, is that the people, because I mean, you need more structure when you're growing, you need more people with different hats and more communication between those people. But what has stayed more or less the same, at least for me, is the people who have the lead roles, for example, they're still production members in the team. Mm. So they still sit and actually do the work in the team and make the games yeah. with everyone, which I think is not the same for every company. Yeah. So I think that's been an important part. So most of the managers at Fat Shark are also yeah. all of them yeah. 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 And especially the manager role, because that's more of an HR related role. That's often something that a hat that someone wears on top of another hat that they already have. We don't have managers who are only managers. I think a lot of, a lot of people when I tell them when they come here and I tell them I'm head of design, they get surprised because like, what? Well, you can't be, you're supposed to sit in a room somewhere. Yeah. And like, that's how I'm used to it being like, you, you, I don't meet you, you're away somewhere. But I'm like, no, that's not, like, I have three hats. I'm like, again, design, exactly. head of design. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, and and it, it can be complex to for the people yeah. in those, like, like us navigating that, having those different roles. And maybe sometimes you don't have enough time to like to really spend yeah. focusing on one of them. But on the on the same, like, I don't know what the, the benefit of it is that you you like everyone who makes decisions are really tied into to the production. Yeah. And you don't get that kind of management layer who has no connection with the production layer at all. And they don't know what's going on. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's both a, a challenge and an opportunity in the sense that challenge that you have to be able to still manage teams, run teams, and still kind of stay connected to work. Opportunity in the sense that you, you're right, that all of the managers, including myself, are connected to the work and we don't steer too far away from it. And so we have usually a pretty good read on what is actually happening, um, either it's on the production or the marketing side. And I think there's goodness that. You don't see too many disconnected decisions, at least away from maybe what's actually happening day to day. It's good. I, I would add to the challenge that it, I have noticed, and I think that's on the, on the higher level sometimes, because we're so operational, we have a hard time sometimes being strategic. Mm -hmm. We're always thinking of like, you know, that's the opportunities that, as you say, like we have everyone that, you know, I feel like whether it's Martin, who's our CEO or anyone, I'm like, I know that this decision is being made and actually being in the weeds with everyone. And I'm always thinking like, we always have like, how do we, you know, we, like thinking longer and longer that I think that's, it's not my challenge, but I, I think that's probably a big challenge for, and you would know better, I think, on, on the higher management level of being yeah. like, I think it depends right yeah. now. It's like the, the we go probably, I mean, I, again, I, I, I have two years, but there's different life stages of a product. Yeah. And there's different levels of engagement at different times based on where we're at. Probably some is more operational, some is less. 
basting on the planning cycles. Uh, right now, one week out, <laughs> I assure you, we are very operational in, in large part because, you know, there's a lot of things happening coming just around the corner. I think that we'll probably reset that as we move forward into kind of a different planning cycle. But yeah, right now, and I think that there's a lot of goodness to that. Sometimes maybe it's a lot. And I think that's probably just the nature of we're growing as a company. We're still, you know, kind of working through the, as you said, we, we hired a lot of people during the pandemic and now trying to set up those lines of communication, structure, process, which frankly, I think, and we'll, you know, we'll probably talk through some of this, but Fat Shark is always kind of on the spectrum of over-processed, highly bureaucratic versus, you know, let's be a little bit more autonomous and really kind of let creativity fly um, has been more on the latter. Um, and I think we're just trying to figure out some of that balance too on that front. Because yeah, it is quite impressive what you guys are doing here, especially if the management is so close to the development as well. So I think that ties quite nicely into what you guys are doing differently to other gaming studios. It's actually most recently been somewhere else. Yeah. So what are the biggest changes that you've noticed going from one studio to another? Yeah, so it's I guess it's fresher in my mind than anyone else I guess in this room. No, I th I think for me like uh, even though it grew and I think you guys were just talking about growth and everything, for me when I first came here I think is is how uh, how indie it felt like, in a good way, which is like everybody knows each other. Uh, again, like we we're just talking about like all the managers like for, doesn't matter they're all like within the project and. You know, I think that's something that said before when we before we started this conversation. Like a lot of it, there's a lot of talks of like we we succeed or we fail together, and it's not just talk. Like I always feel like if there's an issue, you know, literally, I, I'll talk to like Jonas, Martin, anyone on the team, and everyone is as involved as they want to be. I would say no, no, into like moving like forward and making a decision, and uh, I think that's that's really different. Especially again, we said we're almost around 200 a bit less like i don't think most companies of this size because the company i joined before was probably around that size when i joined them uh function in that way where yeah exactly like everybody's super involved um yeah and the, kind of the indie indie feeling with like a medium-sized company i don't know what you've joined bit before me but i don't know and you've worked at more companies yeah i mean i think the first uh, words that come to mind um and just my impression of fat truck is it's a place that you kind of can just be who you want to be um we have a pretty eclectic mix of different personalities different people and i think you just kind of accepted who you are there really isn't egos here. It's kind of surprising. And there's a, a bend to be overly transparent, sometimes to a fault, right? Like we're very honest and very open about some of that conversation. Um, I think that is like the, at a cultural level, what feels very different. It's very approachable in that way. Like there isn't, um, you don't, I'll give you a good example that uh, you don't walk into a meeting with executives and you don't feel like you are um like you you have to be afraid like you just want to have a good conversation right and i assure you um i have worked in places where there is a certain facade there is a certain kind of um, pressure to say the right thing at the right time um that never happens and i think it starts at the top it's it's one of the reasons why i actually came to fat shark is there is no ego i think our ceo martin 
has started that. Uh, I think he is probably one of the most approachable guys. He's probably one of the only CEOs I've ever worked with who is, asks me for feedback often on him or things that we have done. And I think um, that does set in motion a very different culture. I think that's, um, it also just makes people feel very okay to say and do things that they want. I think you're very like hitting the nail on the yeah. head there. I think it, it stems from the, the founders with Martin sort of spearheading that. Mm. He is the most involved, most sort of uh, humble, humble yeah, CEO I think you yeah. can have. He right now we're like we're launching the game and he is running around and like testing <laughs> stuff and yeah. he, he will do anything from like whatever needs to be done. He'll he will like I'll, I'll run with that. Yeah. Like even like like yeah whatever it is. It and doesn't I, matter. Like he'll do what needs to be done. Yeah. Because we worked with him for so yeah. long. Yeah. Not everyone maybe yeah. who started in recent years know this but He's so approachable as well. Like yeah, you yeah. always contact him and say, "Hey, I thought about this thing," and yeah. he's he's very like interested in people's opinions, he like cares. anyone's opinions. Yeah, he he definitely cares, and I think that actually goes a lot for most of the people I've worked with here is that they they genuinely care about the work and the end product, less about the people and more about the the kind of the journey that we're on. I think and some of that stuff. But so. I think. I think that's one of um, one of the things that, that makes Patrick different for me is that the, when I went to an interview, it was with Mikke, who's now technical oh. director, oh, and okay. um, Martin, the CEO. And I think one of the first things that they said to me is that we want people at Patrick to be able to have a normal life no, that's and awesome. still make good games. Mm. And, and that was like, that sounds good. It sounds like the industry needs this. And I think that's been really like kept the state yeah. true throughout our growth is that we really do care about people and their lives and that we want people to have a normal life. We don't want to do too much crunch or overtime. Yeah. We're not going to expect people to, you know, not stay home with their family yeah. if they get a kid. Like we, that, that sort of thing yeah. is super important. Yeah, I agree. I I had a similar but different conversation with Martin when, uh, before I came over, and I remember us uh, gelling around this one thing. And I said this: I said, like, I'm getting to the place because I've been in the industry for a, a, a bit now. Let's say I won't I won't age date myself. Longer than most. Longer than most. I'm like, no, don't don't look it up. Uh, yeah, I, I look better. Uh, no, I'm just uh, no, but it's just it was it was it was like I only if you think about the development cycles, you know, three to five years. I'm like I said, I only have so many swings left in me, yeah. i.e., launches. And I kind of have done a lot of different things. I just want them to count from here on out. I want them to be something I care about and that's meaningful. And he's like, that's exactly what I want. That's all I care. I just want them to count. And so I was like, okay. And I think that, that there's something to be said there about that. We didn't talk about a lot of other things about how much, you know, the product needed to be or this. It was just, we want them to be meaningful and we wanted it to count. So whatever we do, it just has to matter. And I think that there's something to be said about that when you put, you park, and I've only been here maybe let's say two years, but you know you're parking three and five years of your life into, or putting a lot of your life into a particular product. You just want it to matter. 
I think I think Martin in Martin's like the 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 reason why we want to be successful is to be able to do bigger and better things. Yeah. Like that is the only reason we want to be successful. We want we want our games to be able to be better than the last one. Like we just want to and be even cooler and do all the ideas that we had that we and still able provide to. security. Yeah, yeah. and and also I think that like, whole that's that's been a like super the, important thing. Yeah, and the, and the whole like we don't crunch thing is like it comes from. Uh, them working at other companies before here, where they yeah. like had to work. They like he, he always jokes about the the manager that uh, like stood by the door and told people to not go home and stuff like that. That's yeah. like a joke that we have here that has never happened but, here. But, <laughs> but like so we don't do that. Like and it nobody comes does from that. them. Yeah. Like the founders and like Martin in particular having the experience and saying I don't want to succeed if that if, if we, that's what we it need takes. to oh, do yeah, that yeah. I want to. Do, I want to succeed, but in a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why it's taken us very long to get where we are. Now. I mean, we're, I mean, we're actually not allowed to work overtime. Yeah. Like we have a we have a max cap in, in normal days. Now it's a bit different since we're launching again. But like in normal times, we're not actually allowed to work too much overtime. Like no. you're not allowed. You 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 will be like you you have to go. Home. Like I mean, you're not allowed to work. The anymore. manager will, yeah, will like, tell you like it, you have worked yeah. too much. You we'll have to go. Home. You're not allowed to work. And say hey, you should probably take some time off now. Yeah. Because you have a lot of overtime tracks. How does that change one week away from release? Right now, all bets are off. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can take some time off once yeah. we've released. Yeah. I think everyone's. But it's off. still like, a, at least from what I know, it's still voluntary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's not insane crunching going exactly. on right now either. Like no. probably most people would imagine we are doing, but uh, like some people are working around the clock due yeah. to how live service. It's always the game a is constant, like you know, still... check in from the managers. Are you okay with this? No. Like, are you feeling all right? Are you feeling burned out? You need to go home. You're yeah. burned out. Like, it, it's still even now before, like a couple of days before release, it's still very much like up to us what we can do and what we can. We don't want people to perform bad, and people are really stressed to work a lot of overtime. They generally perform bad, also. Yeah. So it's like we want to take care of people because yeah. we care about them and we care about the product. No, I think that last piece is really important. I think, and it is said and reinforced quite often, which is we genuinely, and I think part of that is an extension of two, I think just the culture that we obviously live in, in Sweden, but but there is a lot of that. We want to take care of the people. The um, We want to talk about just a, a day in the life of Fat Shark. Like, what does it mean to be a shark? I have to add one thing, okay, which might, might seem like a little silly, but people can't see us, right? And one big you know it might seem but for me it's pretty big we have a dog in the room <laughs> and for me it's like one thing that i just love is that we have dogs in the office we, we had four dogs uh, just around the corner exactly yes, I mean, and you know it might seem like for two i don't think many 200 people company allowed to like make it work you know with like dogs and at least personally maybe for some people it's worse but for me it always makes yeah. my day better when there's like an animal like roaming around you know and just just being a dog, right? So. Yeah, I, I know you, you kind of did that maybe in, in a, a fun way, but I think it does speak to maybe the, because you don't see that. I've worked at a couple of different studios in, in Sweden, and it yeah. actually is, I haven't been at one yet that allows for dogs. The, but it, I think it speaks to maybe the the more kind of lighthearted, yeah. fun nature that I think that you see. Family you, styles, you, but... It is, it is. There is like, if you, so again, the day in the life is a good thing. Yeah, right? there you go, yeah. But it's like, you, you kind of do look, there is a, it is a, it's hard to kind of pin it down, but it's, it is more of an approachable, like, 
you just you there's a word in I think Swedish it's like missing right it's mm-hmm. cozy it's yeah. more it's of a cozy it's like are you are you smiling at me because I spoke Swedish <laughs> 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 we we like, Mike said some Swedish but yeah, yeah, yeah but I think there is this like very cozy approachable atmosphere and I think part of it is like um you know allowing an animal around there's not um it doesn't you don't want it to feel very clinical people bring their babies around yeah it's, it's like nice. you want it to feel like an extension of a place that you actually feel comfortable with and it, again it goes back to that point when i said earlier which is you can be yourself and so you can express it however you want who you are um you're kind of all accepted and i think that that goes a long way and and um you do see that here it is a very approachable culture like the fact that yeah, I'll just stop. There are more pets in the credits than people in the dark tech credits. <laughs> are there really? Yeah, I know, but it's a long list. It's I, think, I have two dogs in there. Yeah, yeah. You actually put your pets in the credits. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody <laughs> even put yeah. my parents' pets no. in the credits. Yeah, Nero is in there. He just, yeah. he just, he just he, here he, like, yeah, maybe like two times he's been in there. And he's in the credits. Like, <laughs> he's great. So he deserves to be yeah. there. It's <laughs> actually the first game I've worked on that my dogs are in the credits. Oh, I said it's actually a final, but, but yeah, it's it is the crime. me too. I just yeah, it's true. It's, I mean, it's less less than yeah. you because you're obviously older. Right? <laughs> 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 it's still a few. Yeah, <laughs> just point that out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was trying to avoid that. Why? <laughs> but yeah, I think I mean I don't know if you guys have anything else to say. I have, I have two thoughts. Like one of them is that the first thing people do when they come in in the morning is take their shoes off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is very significant, Actually, and it's, that's like a thing that I, I don't, but most people do. I, I'm I a bit, do. yeah, I'm weird as it, but generally people do that. That sort of puts you in a very familiar yeah good mode. So and I think that is very. They drink coffee. And then they drink coffee. Then they take a coffee. Yeah, yeah. that's a Swedish thing. It's a Swedish yeah. thing. So, yeah, yeah. But, but but we do try to kind of pull that in as much as possible. Just even you know during the last few weeks, which has been you know a pretty intense period of time, we still take you know time to go have fika. Uh, yeah. In the afternoons, just to kind of have a nice just break, pause, and stuff like that. It does. It does help. A mental reset. Yeah, it does. It does help. I mean, different cultures have different things, and and, and certainly we've been. I think embrace more of the kind of the Swedification of, of the Swedish culture, but but that point I think is really good. I mean, again, we were talking about like the cap of like over time being mm. removed and everything, but or is it the past four or five weeks because we were getting busier and busier? Like every day we have we have breakfasts provided, you know, by Fat Shark, as well as Fika, which is like you know like a, a snack or something like at, at around three, and it's provided to us like every day. Uh, because like oh it's stressful and one I think to, talking about like the cozy nature and mm-hmm. think people feeling comfortable is like no it's tough but we like most people or at least like a significant amount of people will take you know like 20 30 minutes twice a day to just like be somewhere else yeah. together yeah talk. exactly talk you might be talking work but you're not going to talk that one bug you're trying to fix or that one feature you're trying to put in i, I just have one last thing that just to talk about that your uh, <laughs> culture so last year was the first time i went to a christmas party Oh, and it was it was it was fun. It was definitely, I think, lived up to the hype that we oftentimes <laughs> talk about internally. But one of the things that I thought was just such a nice because there's, you know, you get different Christmas gifts every year from different companies, everything else. But I think this says it all, which is one of the Christmas gifts that we got was a fat shark homegrown cookbook where people <laughs> across the company submitted their own recipes, could be drink recipes, could be anything. It didn't matter. And we consolidated that, and that was one of, you know, a collection of 
but um, Christmas gifts. And I just thought it was just such a nice uh, personal touch. Uh, it was something that didn't have to be expensive, but it was just thoughtful. Mm. That's very cool. Right. So the next topic is the type of games that you guys are making. So obviously there is a um, big push on co-op games and of course lately Warhammer games, but what has been the inspiration behind that? Yeah, so cooperative games, I think mostly because that's the kind of games that we like to play ourselves. I mean, co cooperative elements, like you said, Victor, before, has always been part of our, the games that we make. And I think more and more as we progressed, we realized that that's what we wanted to do. So instead of having a cooperative element in a game, let's just make a cooperative game. I think at the start of Vermintide, a lot of people in the studio like to play Left 4 Dead. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of sparked the whole idea of, like, what if we do a Left 4 Dead kind of, kind of game? And at that time, there weren't many. And everyone was still waiting for the sequel. So it's like, let's just do the sequel. Let's make, something. Let's make the sequel. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we kind of learned a lot during all those years up until that point that we wanted to integrate about melee combat that we felt that this we could actually do different. So that's one of the reasons I, I, I don't know if you have anything else. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, yeah, the melee part was like, we had done all these games, uh, the War of the Roses and War of the Vikings, and where we had done, it was third person, but still melee combat. So we had a good system for that and a lot of knowledge of what to do and what to not to do. And especially like network synced melee combat. Uh, so that was like a, a given and then, um, yeah, Left 4 Dead was like one of the games that we all loved and nobody was making any yeah. Left 4 Dead games anymore. So we were like, yeah, why not? And then I think Warhammer comes from, again, like it's the passion of the people here that drives what we want to do. So it's just um, a lot of Warhammer nerds. Yeah, they, we have a lot of Warhammer nerds. And, yeah. and one of the nerdiest Warhammer nerds we have is Anders, our game director. And yeah. he and a lot of the people here that work here got to know each other in another company previously uh, and they played Warhammer during like their breaks so they already had this sort of Warhammer um, sort of in common and, and it ended up Anders sending an email to Games Workshop's support uh, and asking them hey I'm a, I make video games <laughs> we're this company we want to make a Warhammer game who should I talk to they're like yeah talk to this guy here and then we flew over and pitched the idea of like let's do uh, Warhammer plus uh, Left 4 Dead should be fun they're like yeah that sounds awesome and then mm -hmm. we just did it yeah so it was like super it wasn't some like uh, long plan sort of it was just it sounded like a really good idea it sounded it lot, had, like a lot I mean, of fun it had been a dream for yeah but it, it wasn't it was I mean, my point is it wasn't sort of a, like okay let's look at the market what, no. what is the it was just what do we want to do we, we want to do about? a yeah. warhammer game we want to do a and cooperative also, what, what warhammer game that should be awesome like, yeah. what can we do yeah. so even it, though in the early days of Vermintide, it was more like right how do we do this? Yeah. Let's but, just but take was, a look at some games. And but then, it was not driven by any well, like marketing research no. of like, yeah, this we should had be no like marketing. No, we didn't have a marketing so... team, so it was impossible. So it was just purely driven by passion marketing and what we want to yeah. do. So, and now we're like this, this sort of famous co-op uh, Warhammer studio that does like really good Warhammer I mean, cooperative games. Even that is just after Vermintide 1. Yeah. It was like, all right, so what? What can we do better? Yeah. Vermintide 2. And then the same thing with Dark Tide. What can we do better? Like, what, how can we develop this mm. into something 
better than it already is. Like yeah. that's always mm-hmm. been the goal. I, I actually really like that story. It's the first time I've heard it, by the way. It's, it's just a very charming story of like, I care a lot about this world. I just want to create that in the world, the things yeah. that I know. And I actually think that's how a lot of studios probably ultimately, the passion projects ultimately find a lot of success because of the level of attention to detail, the willingness to really spend the time. Yeah. I think a lot of people felt like we could do this yeah. well. Yeah. Like we could, we could create we know a the really good right. representation of a Warhammer world. Yeah. And, and like that was the driving factor yeah. more than anything. Yeah. Cause I think we, I think we have had discussions on different IPs and like what we would like to do, what would be cool. Yeah. And, you know, Warhammer is, it, it, I don't know, we could have maybe done other projects. He could have sent emails to other IPs. Yeah, yeah. Owners, yeah, but I mean, but they, uh, he didn't because this is what he wanted to do. There's this CDC talk about if you're going to do like a franchise project, you need to find a mentor that you can talk about that knows this IP better than anybody else. They're already in the office. Yeah, we didn't have to find you know, anybody else in the office. We, we have, just had, we to, you just had to turn around, or yeah, like, most people just yeah. talk to themselves. But uh, we already have yeah. had like all the books yeah. and like lots of miniatures in the office, like people sitting and painting. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was already a thing. Like now yeah. it's also in like. Um, integrated in the company with like painting miniatures because we work on, on Warhammer games, but it was already a thing. Yeah, it was already a thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Like, it's just, it was also the first time I heard it as well, the whole like pitching and investments. Kind of yeah, it's, it's, in, it's insane that he just <laughs> sent an email. Like, it, it sounds like you should not be able to do this, but he just <laughs> sent an email to, to the, like, didn't know where to send it. Yeah. So he just went like Google, <laughs> like, okay, like uh, support. That's, uh, that's an email. Uh, email them. And they're like, yeah, maybe you should talk to this guy. How much freedom do you have with it, obviously, because it's a franchise not created by you guys how much freedom do you have to play around with the actual gameplay and so on gameplay we're pretty free to do whatever we want i would argue but we have to stay true and we want to stay true to what is warhammer so we always stay very true to the lore and try to find angles or ways to incorporate it in everything we do so everything is i mean they, they don't tell us like how to do stuff, but we need to find angles and stuff to like we want to do whatever it is that stays true to the lore. And I think we it's are a all, massive IP. Yeah, yeah, it's it a, it, so it has much in that, it. So whatever we want to do, yeah. we can just you can find always find it. if you know enough. Yeah. You can find the whatever it is that you want to do yeah. that will do the thing. It's not been a problem. But it's no, it's never been a problem. But it's so. But but at the same time, we we do take a put a lot of effort and time into making sure that it isn't something that. Does that sort of clashes with the lore, or because no. we want to stay very true to Warhammer lore? And we do talk a lot to Games Workshop, yes. And we send them like All the time. everything. Yeah, they they, they check yeah, every yeah. asset we do, basically yeah, everything. Right. We, they they approve everything. So, but it's quite unusual for us to, to get like, yeah. no, we can't do that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's very cause, uncommon because people are already so knowledgeable in the office. Mm-hmm. I think so. We already filter it through our internal knowledge base before we send it out. Yeah. And I think that I agree. I think, and from what I've seen as well, I think, I mean, working with an IP, I think, and that you don't own, I think there's like kind of two ways it can go. Either it becomes a crutch when I think people are maybe, you know, not as open to how to use it, or it actually becomes like something that makes makes it more powerful because it already is rooted in something that people know and, and love. And I think because like the people have started, it came from that passion. Mm. You know, it, it went more towards that way. It's more like using like the IP 
as uh, you know like again as, as something of empowerment rather than a crutch and i think you can see even some other games where the ip you can say oh they you know maybe it was you know yeah, they, 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 know they to, didn't want this IP. They, yeah they, just, or they didn't know how to work with it one. and that does happen for whatever reasons yeah, right try to shoe yeah or yeah, it can be but yeah but i think here you can clearly see it because people knew what they were talking about mm -hmm. i think you're right I want to leave enough time for this final topic because it is going to be an interesting one. So obviously we are one week away now from the Dark Tide release. So going to leave some time to talk about the exciting parts of the project, but also a lot of the challenges that you guys have faced. So Mike, do you want to talk about your involvement in it first and then your yeah. perspective on it? Yeah, we're doing a few things. I mean, uh, I mean, I kid, I kid. There's a lot more than just a few things. <laughs> I mean, it's the culmination of like you know, on the development side, the last three or four years, marketing-wise, it's like you've taken all of that planning, all of that work, and you compress it into just a few amount of kind of let's call it weeks or months. And so it is an intense period. It's an exciting period. I think that um, for those that haven't done it, it's like, oh, that's next level in, in terms of intensity and just the level of frequency and conversations and the, the kind of the feedback cycles and everything else. And so that is super exciting, but super um, uh, intense. Uh, and we are, you know, feeling all of that kind of one week's out. Now, um, it is me personally, I can just say that it's one of the most fun projects I have ever worked on for a variety of reasons. One, because I think um, Dark Tide as a game has been just really fun to see the growth of that and how fun that that product has been. Um, it's also coming from a really, you know, a smaller studio that is really trying to scale up in a really big way. So from a marketing standpoint, I think that was really um, interesting to say, hey, how do we take something that has historically been maybe you know, has sold a lot and really critically acclaimed, but really try to get it to a, a different level. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and there's been a lot of things that we've done on the marketing and branding and partnership side to do that. Um, but it is, it's fun, it's intense. It's, uh, you know, sometimes can be a little rock and rolly, but, um, you know, we're enjoying it for what it is. So I don't know if you guys want to talk about other things and what you're doing on the project. Oh. It's a tough subject. It's really, really tough because there's, so there's, yeah, there's so much to but, say, I think. But one one uh, definite like challenge was, I mean, half of, probably half of the production of Dark Tide was done remote during COVID. Yeah. We had worked probably about a year on the project when COVID hit and everybody's from one day to another just moved home and we had to ship computers out to everyone. And all of a sudden you're working from home and everything shifted to be online. and uh, that was like, I didn't think it was going to work at all, but it worked yeah. out really well, I would say. I, I, I guess it, I mean, probably the, the development took longer due to it. I, I don't see how it yeah. couldn't have, yeah. but it, it still went way beyond my expectation of how well it went. Like you, you thought like hours, because making games is a super uh, cooperative uh, thing. Like you have to talk to each other all the time. And it's it's always multiple disciplines having to sort of uh, come together uh, on really difficult technical and artistic and all these different avenues. And they have to work together and you have to really understand what everybody needs to do and how to do it and like it can be super complicated uh so that i thought like how is this ever going to work but it worked out really really well and i think it worked out and then i was also surprised how quickly we went from like being in the office being at home 
and being productive. It yeah. took like a day and everybody was oh, oh, really working. Good. Like, yeah, it's insane. I'd say it was amazing yeah. during that time. But I, I think one of the challenges on top of that was recruiting whilst yeah. um, like, and onboarding people. Yeah, onboarding, yeah, yeah. onboarding people, people online yeah. was a massive challenge and people couldn't even, like some people couldn't even come to Sweden at that time. Mm. So we would recruit a person awesome. and then mm. we would onboard them in a country where you have a different time zone, for example. So it was that was really, really challenging. I think it was a, it was a lot of stress on the people who had to onboard people onto that team. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it was, it was, it was so odd coming into the office like two years later or whatever it was and meeting all these people for the actual first time, yeah. but you've met them for this like past year online and you sort of forgot that you haven't actually met yeah, before. You know <laughs> like, like, you know them okay, really well. This is what you actually look like. I've only seen you online. Yeah. Like, and okay, you're, you're actually really tall. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were small or whatever. You have yeah. a bottom half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen your bottom half. I, I think for me, the weirdest thing is meeting people and seeing them from profile. Because yeah, you yeah. almost never look at someone's yeah. screen and like, you know, like this. Except yeah. for Andesh, like oh, his, yeah. his, his camera is always oh, on yeah. profile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, this is how you actually look. It looks slightly different because yeah. I see you from like a bit of a profile. Yeah, I guess for me, I guess I even jump in. It was a little bit different because I'm technically a producer for Vermintide 2. So that's the main focus, but it's been crazy project Dark Tides. So in the past uh, year or a lot of it has been spent actually with uh, with Dark Tide and, and how you know, how can we make sure that we ship this project and make it as, as good as we want it to be. Uh, and then it's hard for me like to say like the most exciting I, I, th I think it's hard to, to say because it will probably be the stuff that I've had a hand on right? <laughs> which are a yeah. lot more pinpointed so I'd be like oh this feature and this feature like they're they're like they're the ones that I look for the feedback on right and everything uh, for sure for me I think like getting to um, getting to build on top of what we knew from Vermintide 1 and 2 but then also getting to explore entirely new things. I mean, that's always the most exciting in any mm. project because I mean, like refining what you already do well is fun because it gives you a sense of like accomplishment and achievement and you know you're excellent or you're an expert at this. But then having the kind of unknown territory is also something that I, I think drives a lot of people in the studio. And in Dark Tide, for me personally, that has been, or for my team has been like, ranged combat has changed a lot yeah. for right, how we do things how we develop enemies how we develop weapons mm. um so so yeah that was like the big new territory and of course like the the 40k universe rather than the fantasy universe um yeah, they're, they're similar but they are very different they're very uh, different yeah and and but it, like that was also exciting but i think the the whole thing of like we knew how to make melee good now we also had to make ranged just as good yeah. without like cancelling them out. Is this is the like... first ranged combat game. We, we have yeah. ranged combat in, in Vermintide, but I mean, it's it's like muskets and uh, it's a different type. You don't have this sort of, it's not ranged combat in a way that you know how it should work. So like, like the weapons in, 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 in 40k are like they're assault rifles basically so you know how it should feel and how it should function and we also so, have like lots of triple a games yeah, yeah exactly it's, so we had to up our game significantly and i think that was one of probably one of the biggest sort of gameplay challenges was to uh stay true to like vermintide 
we keep the Vermintide feel, but update it to this new version and also make it feel different enough so it's sort of warrants a, a different game and, and being something on its own and not just sort of a, a knockoff of Vermintide or just like a, a skin job, as some rude person would say, of Vermintide. It, it, I think that, that was really tough to find that sort of... Uh, um, how to where do we where do we sort of wear off where do we do a new thing and where do we stay stay to true to like the vermintide experience and that goes from like enemies to weapons to how we build levels and all that yeah. stuff we had to sort of we, we still wanted to feel very much like a vermintide game because we want to stay true to the people that really enjoy vermintide games but we also want to give them a completely new experience we don't don't just want them to feel like yeah it's just a 40k and skin a lot of things so that, that was really yeah. tough to sort of yeah, stay close enough, but still new enough, and everything. a lot of things that we thought that we knew, we had to, to reevaluate yeah. and reinvent mm. one more time. Yeah, we we pretty much have reinvented yeah. every part of of Vermintide into Darktide. Like it, it is not the same, uh, but yeah. but still, it feels like a natural progression from Vermintide into Darktide. I think. I think. So. And that has been really tough to sort of not go too far or go too little yeah. or everything yeah. also in, in any sort of game development i think for, at least for, for for us um it's only in the last stretch where the game actually is fun to play yeah. for anyone in the studio so you work on this thing for a very long time and it doesn't like quite feel right until the very end when everything just comes together so i think that has also been challenging when working remotely and then, no, no. like you have this product that you keep building on and like mm, what's it gonna be like but i knew this from like all of the titles that we worked on together um that like it is gonna come together in the end no. but it but it's quite it can be a little bit nerve-wracking I, I think that was harder also with um, like uh in an onboarding sense yeah since uh, it was harder to have somebody come in remote sitting on their own uh, working on the game, whatever part of the game they're working on, and it's not that fun. Like the game isn't that fun. Like, yeah. and it's harder than to sort of rally together and go like, yeah, but it's it's gonna be good. Like we're gonna we're gonna make it. Because some because it's hard. It was really hard to know if somebody was sort of maybe you hadn't spoken to them enough lately because it, it's very easy to get lost. Like uh, when everybody's on their own. So yeah, that was a really tough challenge. I mean, that, that has been quite exciting in the last couple of months, the fact that the game is actually fun to play. Yeah, yeah. People are like realizing that in the office and having a really good time doing playtesting. We do a lot of playtesting. Like everyone in the office needs to play the game. Um, but I mean, that I think that is a, a like a, <laughs> a force for everyone's gonna come together towards yeah. like the end now where people are enjoying Playtesting together. Yeah, that, that's, it's true for any game. Like they are really bad <laughs> before they are good, yeah. and they, they are really bad before they are good. Yeah. And you have to sort of believe in the vision. Like it will be good when this and this and this and this and all these million things are done. It's gonna be good. But, but right fine. now it's not. But it's fine. We will get there like, eventually. Fine. Yeah. I would say that challenge is almost for any. Because I would say even being less involved still than you two have been, or even you three. I mean, launch for me is always the scariest thing. Yeah. I think what you say with good for me, it's like I don't know. Like I feel like you never know no. if it's good. Like I, I, I'm happy you get are getting this video, but I like it's the most exciting and nerve wracking yeah. thing to release a game yeah, because yeah. I don't know. Like I've never, yes. you know, I'm like yeah, you know, you have a feel for it. You know, like you feel this could be good, this could be, but I, I've never had a feeling of like. I've never had it, and I hope I do get it. But I've always been like, let's see. 
Yeah. <laughs> you, you do usually have a sense of like yeah. how good or not good. But if it's really bad, you know. If it's really bad, you're like, exactly. Sure. That, but, yeah. but, but, but you also don't have a sense, like, especially when you start to scale it up. Yeah. When you start to talk to millions. Exactly. It's, and, and generally speaking, our audiences are pretty fickle. And so it could be one, two, a couple of things that uh, immediately kind of turn uh, maybe something that could be really positive to maybe not so positive. But I also think that's one of the most exciting parts about launch. Like it's scary. Yeah. It's super scary because you're going to put this your this baby that you've kind of grown for the last three or four years, and you're going to put it out to the wild. The the It's also one of the most exciting things. Wow. Like it, it, it really is. It, I think that's part of the reason why a lot of us do this. I think it's part of the reason why I do it is that you want to kind of be there for that moment and, and, and uh, be able to kind of see it through. So that it, that is um one of the, the more exciting things one of the i'll say just one other challenge just on the marketing front one of the things that one it's a great game and one of the things that we've been challenged with is to your point we are pushed into a different category of games different considerations and we have to appeal to multiple audiences and so we want to stay true to the kind of the 40k universe in that audience and that's a very passionate audience we also want to compare ourselves against other titles within that category. And so that is, there is, there was a lot of work done in that area. And frankly, it wasn't necessarily easy, but that was one of the things that we really had to kind of work through early on is how do we set the right tone, be true to ourselves, and still appeal to a lot of those audiences that hopefully will, you know, will pull over uh, within the shooter category. Yeah, I mean, we hope to be an introduction for a lot of people to the Warhammer universe. Like some people who don't really know anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, what's always interesting to me too is one of the kind of the early kind of insights that we had when we were doing some uh, some market research. <laughs> the um, was that you're you're right about that. But, um, I'm always surprised though at, at actually the majority of the people that play our games are not necessarily Warhammer fans. They play our game because it's a good game first, mm. a Warhammer game second, yeah. um, which I think speaks volumes about how good maybe the the work that the team has done. Any final pointers there? No? I look calm on the outside, but I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's the only yeah, thing I'd say is that we're one week out. Yeah. I mean, the team is um, obviously committed. I mean, we're really kind of heads down a lot of that stuff, but it also speaks volumes about about the culture. Our ability to just step away for a few hours to talk through this uh, today and then mm. kind of get back at it, I think speaks volumes about how, how much we can hopefully balance some of this stuff. So it's going to be released on the 30th of November platform it's on steam steam and, and uh, microsoft yes yeah. uh, no uh, microsoft store or windows store yeah yeah so predominantly a pc, PC. game so mm. our pc launches november 30th okay any plans to release on it will be uh, yeah it'll be re- released on xbox uh, series x and s uh we'll, we'll probably provide more details on that soon soon yeah. after at the market yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say i'm not saying anything yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.